0: Buenos tardes. We are back here for week three of this series, which is called Haunted. Uh, and each week, we are talking about a different fear, something that we struggle with, something that we deal with, something that we're haunted by. Uh, we've talked so far about the fear of the unknown, which is a big one because there's a lot that we don't know. Uh, twenty twenty basically is a lot of things that we don't know, uh, that we're unsure of, that that can be kind of scary if if you don't really talk to people, if you don't really uh, pray, if you don't put yourself in the mindset of trying to go forward, and it can be very hard to deal with that Uh, as you go towards college, as you go towards high school, as you go towards adulthood, whatever level of life you're at, there's a lot of unknown that we have to deal with, and yet we do know God, and He knows that, and so He can bring us comfort, and then talking about it, which is going to be a theme through each of these weeks, talking about it, and and understanding that you deserve the help that you can get. Uh, Last week, we talked about fear of having the odds against us, like, We talked about Gideon and how him and 299 other people uh, went up against a huge army, but they had a plan. They didn't just say, hey, you know, God said that we would do this, so we're going to stand here and let him do everything. They worked with God. Uh, They trusted him, and they they knew that the odds were against them, but they still trusted him, and they were aware of him, and, and the ones that were the most scared walked out, but all of them had fear, and that's another key to each of the weeks of this series. Everyone has fear from time to time. Uh... Being brave does not mean an absence of fear, which a lot of people do mistakenly think. It means that you're willing to face your fears, that you're willing to admit to your fears, that you're willing to help others or accept help from others with your fears. This week, I wanna talk about one that is definitely a common one, it's fear of loss. And there's a lot of different types of things. Uh, The hardest thing with it is that feeling of helplessness, which is why I'm calling this week helpless. But when you lose a person, you lose a loved one, it can be really hard. It's always really hard, obviously. But it can this feeling of, regardless of their age, regardless of how they passed, regardless of how you lost them. There's this feeling of helplessness. Uh, there's this feeling of what if I lose someone else, or what if someone loses me? Uh, and, and then you know you can go to that to maybe more common ones, hopefully, where you lose a thing, or uh, you lose a job, you lose a, a standing in school, you lose a grade, you lose a friendship, uh, you lose hope which is the hardest of all, and that can come with each of them. And so I want to talk about someone who dealt with a lot of these, uh, and that's Peter. And so I want to go to Matthew chapter 26, verses 67 through 75. Then they began to spit in Jesus' face and beat him with their fists. And some slapped him, jeering, prophesy to us, you Messiah, who hit you that time? Uh, So I wanted to start there, even though that doesn't technically involve Peter, because this is what Peter was seeing. Peter was one of the three quote-unquote main disciples. All of them were equal in that Jesus loved them all just like he loves all of us. All of them were called to be ministers. But Peter, James, and John kind of would take the lead. And they were the ones that that Jesus would go to with direct responsibilities uh, of different things. And Peter was the one, obviously, that we've heard called the rock of the church. So he had a a, a big burden on his shoulders that, that he loved to have because he loved Jesus and he loved what he was doing. Uh, But as Jesus was arrested, he was willing to fight for him and and he didn't want to lose him. But then once Jesus was taken away, and that's what we're going to talk about here, you can see Peter just kind of lose the hope that he had and feel more and more helpless, feel more and more lost, feel more and more fearful. And this is what he is seeing. This is where we start. A lot of people, myself included, have talked about what I'm going to talk about. Spoiler alert, uh, Peter denying Jesus three times. But don't jump ahead because we often skip why he denied. Now, obviously there's no excuse for it, even though it was predicted, and and he felt bad about it, he felt sorry about it, but it begins with what he is seeing. The person that he loved most in the world, but more than that, the person that saved him from a life of nothingness, the person who gave him meaning, the person who pointed him in the right direction, the person who gave him everything that he has, friends, family, uh, love, like everything that he had, a purpose He's watching him being beaten, not just crucified, which was to come, but watching him being beaten and mocked, which is in some ways worse. Now, obviously, death is bad, but to see him just treated like that, treated like garbage, treated like nothing, was really eating away at Peter. And so he had that fear, not just of losing his own life. But the fear of losing his purpose, of losing his, his savior, of losing his friend, of losing his brother, of losing everything. And that was going on in his heart as we go. And so just the next verse. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, you're one of those with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Uh, and I want to stop there because that's the first denial. And the first denial is... Kind of like a denial without lying. Now, we've all been there. Uh, your parents come home and they're like, hey, who took all the cookies out of the cookie jar? Oh, the cookies are gone from the cookie jar? Uh, you're not lying. Now, don't go do this. You're not lying, but you're, you're basically kind of denying it in a way by trying to flip it around and act like you don't know, even though you know because you took them or I took them, whoever, uh, you, you took them and, and you're like just hoping that there aren't any further questions because you don't want to lie. Or a teacher asks you, are you prepared? And you kind of say, oh, well, why wouldn't I be prepared? Like, you know, the the big trick of asking a question, the the big trick of trying to turn it around. But we've all been there where we try to shade the truth the way that we want it without lying. And it's because we don't want to to admit our fear, our fear of being caught, our fear of losing uh, trust, whatever it is, our fear of losing a better grade, our fear of losing cookie privileges. Uh, But so Peter, in his heart, he is still focused on the helplessness he feels seeing Jesus beaten and and knowing that he's about to die and knowing that he can't do anything about it. That's the helplessness. He knows he can't do anything about it. And so, again, someone comes up while he's in the midst of this and says, hey, don't you know that guy that's being beaten over there? And he still is a, a Christian. He still is a follower of Jesus. And so he doesn't want to lie. But he also doesn't want to to admit that he's scared, which is kind of the the bigger problem here. He could have said, man, and this is not, you know, somebody that he necessarily trusts, but he could have gone to another disciple and been like, man, you know what? I'm scared. Like, just straight up. Let me be straight up with you. I'm scared of what's happening. I know that he told us this, but, but I can't believe that it's real. What do you think, John? What do you think, James, Simon, whoever? I guess that'd be talking to himself. But what do you think? Which I do. What do you think? What do you think is going to happen? How are we going to come together? But he allowed his fear to pull him away from other people, which we do sometimes. Especially when we're afraid of losing someone. Uh, one of the things, and I'm going to get back to Peter, one of the things that I tend to do, I am kind of a people pleaser. Uh, it, it's, it's not that I can't displease people. And if you talk to anybody that knows me, it's very clear that I can't. But it's not that I can't kind of... Uh, be confident. Well, I can't be confident. It's not that I can't, you know, be firm on a decision or whatever, because I am and I have to be, uh, and I do my best with that. But in my personal life, in relationships that I have, in people that I talk to, in family, it's very hard for me to say no. It's very hard for me to disappoint someone. I carry that with me. I would much rather be hurt myself than disappoint someone. And that is not just because I'm nice, although I try to be. It's because I have this fear. Of losing other people Uh, and part of that is because I've lost a lot of people I was raised by my great-grandparents both of them were older and both of them have passed but more than that I've lost friends I've lost uh, family members and I'm not just talking in terms of life and death I'm talking in terms of moving away or just getting tired of me or uh, me moving like all of these different things and so the more I lose, the more I kind of hope to cling to what I have, and that can drive me sometimes, and I try to be very careful and pray and, and keep tabs on it and talk about it when I can, which is the point here. But that fear of losing other people uh, can sometimes really affect how we respond to things, and, and it's because for me, this lack of confidence, this, this feeling of helplessness that, well, why would they stick around if I don't say yes to everything? Why would they be here? And Peter isn't quite there, but he's in a similar place where he's like, man, what, what, what good do I have? Jesus is dying. I didn't do anything to stop it. I tried, but it was the wrong thing and I messed up again and I just don't have anything. And so she comes up to him in that place and says, hey, don't you know him? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Again, not a lie. It, technically I guess it's kind of like because he probably knew what he was talk- she was talking about, but you know what I'm saying. He's denying without fully denying, but he's starting that trick of losing hope. And with each denial, he loses a little more hope and he loses a little more of himself. Going to the next one. Uh, later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, "The man was with- this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. Now, this is the one that a lot of people stick to because this is the one where he straight up lies because he did know him. But one of the things that I have felt in my studies and my my scripture reading and my prayer and my Bible study, all of those different things, in a way, this is the most honest that he was. Now, he knows who he is and he knows why they're asking and he knows that, that they are after him and he knows all of those things. But the disciples are no different from anyone else in that we all get confused. We all want everything to be how we want it. Uh, Right now in 2020, you hear this all of the time, on every possible side, on every possible issue, every possible person, it's always how we want to see things. We look at that through the the, the perspective of ourselves, which is obviously how we live, but it's how we want things to work out, and that's what we think is best. Uh, Even all of the disciples believed the same as the other Jews did, that the Messiah was going to come and make a peace on earth, a kingdom on earth. Uh, They believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They believed that he was God. They believed in everything that he said. But when he would say things like, I'm going to die and then go to heaven, uh, they listened and they believed, but they kind of pushed it aside because that's not how they saw things. Uh, I, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, but sometimes you know something, but you don't really know it until you know it. Now, you can write that down because... On the surface, it doesn't make any sense. But sometimes you know that 70 miles an hour is the speed limit. And you know that. But you're going 75 because it's okay. And then you go 76, 77, 78 uh, because, you know, everybody else is doing it. And then you get pulled over and you're like, oh, I knew that I was going to get pulled over. And, you know, you knew all along. And that's a dumb example, but it's something that we can understand. But sometimes we know things. And yet, until we're really faced with them, we don't really let ourselves know them. We know that lying to our parents is wrong. We know that cheating on a test is wrong. We know that, that that going out after curfew and lying about it is wrong, and we know that, and we even know why. But then we kind of put it off and put it off, and then it happens, and we're faced with it, and we're like, "Oh man, that was legit." The law actually is the law, or the rule actually is the rule. Or, man, I really shouldn't have have stepped out in front of that taxi that was speeding down here, that everybody said, don't do it. Peter knows, like the other disciples, who Jesus is and who the Messiah is. Peter was the first to say, you're the Messiah. But, even though he knew that Jesus was telling the truth with the prophecy, telling the truth with dying, he still held on tightly to that, man, he's going to come out of this. He's going to come out of this. He's going to get down off the cross. He's going to, to fight. We're going to take over Rome. And it's because that's what he wanted to believe. And so in a way, when he says, I don't even know the man, he's kind of being honest. And it's kind of the first step is being honest and explaining your fear. But then he just runs away and he doesn't go to one of his friends. He doesn't want to go to one of his brothers. But, but it gets worse and worse. Each denial is farther and farther from who he is. Because now doubt has come in. it started with just fear and it started with trying not to lie and trying to get away and trying to just push the question. And now it's gone to doubt, not just doubt in, in who he is, but doubt in everything that he's about. And that's a big thing with fear of loss. Because when you lose one thing, when you lose one friend, when you lose one letter grade, when you lose one spot on the team, when you lose one game or a million games like the Bengals, when you lose something, you get so accustomed to that feeling that you start to doubt everything else. You start to doubt that it will ever be different. And so just like the first step, uh, denying it is kind of like saying, I'm okay. Hey, you know what? You seem really off. Like, are you scared? Are you sad? Something like that. No, I'm okay. It's fine. Then you just walk away. You know, are you sure you don't want to talk about it? That's fine. I do this. We all do this. But in fear, are we afraid of of People helping us sometimes and so the next step like I said is the doubt where it goes from from that's yeah, okay to I don't deserve to feel good again because fear and depression can kind of go side by side parallel for a while believe me I don't deserve what Jesus gave me I don't deserve this spot I don't deserve this grade I just I doubt everything now and it, it goes The next step, the next part of scripture, a little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. So it's getting real specific now. Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. I believe we've all probably been there where we've done something wrong and and whether or not you know that it's wrong, you've done something and then you get caught or you realize that, that, that what you did hurt someone or you put a face to the words that you were saying, something like that. And you feel that sinking feeling in your heart, in your stomach and you're just like, man, And so Peter did that. Peter knew that this was coming, and yet it was out of his mind because he wasn't thinking about it. And so he he denies, and he tries to change the subject, and then he doubts, and then he straight up lies. But it's not just the lie that is the problem, because with each step, with each denial of his fear, with each denial of his feelings, with each denial of who he was, it was getting worse and worse, and now he's losing hope. Because there's a lot of things that we can lose that hurt awfully, horribly. But the worst thing we can lose is hope. And that can come with each of these things. And Peter has now lost hope. He watched Jesus be beaten almost to death, and he will watch him die. He watched as someone kept denying that he even knew him. You know, it's him. But he's kind of like looking at himself, like, what are you doing? Have you ever done that where, where you can't answer me because you're online, but have you ever done that where uh, you say something or you do something, and in your head you're like, "Why am I doing this? I can't stop myself?" Sometimes it's ignorance, sometimes it's anger, but a lot of times it's fear. It's fear of being who you really are. It's fear of losing that image of yourself, of losing popularity, of losing friendship, of losing whatever. And Peter was afraid of losing everything. And because he was afraid. He kept running away. But because he kept running away, he never dealt with his fear. And that's how we do things. Everyone feels helpless from time to time. Every single person. Don't let anyone come up and say, no, nah, I'm never helpless. I, always, I was uh, you know, raised by my own bootstraps and, and I, I did everything myself. Nobody ever helped me. Everybody always has help somewhere. Some more than others, but everybody always has help. Everyone feels helpless in some situation. And yet we all have God, and we all have each other, and we all have, I just realized I was looking where the old camera was, we all have this chance to seek help, this chance to talk to each other, and it's hard. It's hard to walk up to somebody, maybe even the person that you're afraid of losing, and say, hey, I'm afraid of losing you. And absolutely in my life, I've talked to people, and I've been sad, and they've said, you're too sad. And so by it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that happens because the hardest thing with fear of loss is that I can't stand here and tell you a way that you're never going to lose anyone or anything because you are. Because you are. You're not always going to win. Believe me, if there was a way to always win, I would find it. And I would use it because I love winning. I would also give it to IU and the Titans and some other teams I like. I would take it away from LeBron. All of these different things. But you're all, we are all going to lose from time to time. Uh, Pastor Tim this morning, when he was preaching, talked about how we've kind of lost a lot in 2020. Uh, Some people have lost uh, loved ones, friends. Some people have lost jobs. Some people have lost a way of life. Some people have lost hope. Some people have lost their plans, all of these things. And it's really hard. But because everybody loses things, everybody feels that, there are people who will understand. There are people in your life who love you, people in your life who care, people in your life who know you, people in your life who feel that loss or feel loss of something and they will talk to you. So the big mistake Peter made was after Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times, he's like, no, and then went on. And then the first person asked him and he denied. The big mistake he made was not stopping there and being like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I gotta go find John. I gotta go find James. I gotta go find somebody. And I've gotta talk about this. I have to explain that I'm scared. I have to explain that I'm afraid that he was right. I have to explain that I'm afraid he was wrong about me, about thinking I could be the rock of the church. I, I feel helpless. It's one of the hardest things in the world to admit that you need help. It's hard. It's hard to look at your parents. Parents, it's hard to look at your teens and say, I need help with this. Now, if it's math homework, it's a little easier, especially when they change weird math stuff. If it's English homework, I will gladly help you all. Fifty bucks a pop. Just joking. But when it's life stuff, when you have to go to someone and say, I feel helpless, I, I, I feel fearful, I, I feel like I'm losing something, someone, what do I do? Now, they're not going to be able to tell you exactly what to do, but they're going to talk to you and they're going to listen. And above all, you pray. Now, it's hard when you pray and then you still lose the thing, and that's not the point. The point is by praying, we are understanding that there's something we cannot lose, someone we cannot lose. That's why we build our identity around Jesus, because we cannot lose him. It still hurts to lose. It's still scary to lose. But to be helpless is to be human. But to accept help is to be strong. That is the key to this. You see, Peter's fear got worse and worse as he denied it. He denied Jesus, yes, and that's the bigger sin here. But he denied his fear. He denied his worry. He denied his helplessness. And that made it worse and worse and worse. And so he goes off from here. And and he goes back to fishing. And he's scared. And he's probably looking over his shoulder. And he's sad. And he's crying. And he's worried. And all of these things every day. And then one day, one day, Jesus comes back. And Peter and John, they'd run there and they'd seen that he was out of the tomb. But Jesus comes back and he walks to that lake where Peter is fishing he says, guys, come on. And man, I can imagine that Peter had that split-second feeling, maybe longer than a split-second, of like, I need to go that way. Not because he didn't love Jesus. Not because he didn't love what he stood for. Not because he didn't believe him. Not because he didn't want what Jesus was offering. But because he had that fear of Jesus knowing that he was helpless. Even though Jesus knows. And he probably wanted to run away. And yet, There was enough of himself left that he said, okay, I have messed up so many times from denying this, from denying myself, from denying fear, from losing hope. I'm going to go to him. And so he went to him. And Jesus asked him three different times, do you love me? And Peter probably didn't get it right away, but he answered yes each time. And then later when he went to bed, he's probably like, oh wait, I get it. Because Jesus understood his helplessness. And when Peter finally was willing to humble himself and come and say, hey, I'm scared. Jesus gave him grace, forgiveness, everything. And then Peter went from there. And man, if you look at Peter's life from that moment on, he was as bold as you come. And he still had fear because he's not stupid. But he stood up to it and he had people around and he talked about it. And he learned from his mistakes, from his lessons You are going to feel helpless. You're going to feel out of control. You're going to feel like the odds are against you. You're going to feel like everything is unknown. You're going to feel all of this. But I promise you that you will also feel loved if you allow God to love you. You're also going to feel help if you allow others to help you. Be willing to talk about it. Be willing to share your fears, because when you share your fears, other people will share. And then people that maybe you're scared to ask for help will be like, oh, wow. So parents, adults that are watching. It's good. It's awesome if the teens, if the kids come to you and just ask for help when they need it. But sometimes they don't. Because when we were kids, sometimes we didn't. Because we know everything. So maybe do your best to talk about your life. And I know that, that parents and kids, sometimes the conversations are like, hey, let's talk. Yeah, okay. Hey, what have you done today? I get that. I did that. I still do that. Ask mom. But maybe talk about times that you're scared or be willing. And I, I'm not going to tell you how to parent. I'm not going to tell you how to be a teen. But I'm going to tell you that my helplessness, my hopelessness always gets worse when I try to hide from it, when I try to hide from other people. So just be willing to talk. Be willing to reach out. Be willing to listen. Be willing to ask for help. Be willing to be that help. Because in Him, there is always help. And He gives us the ability to help each other. That's all I got.